0: You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. I got a few um, a few words. Of course, Stephen won't be able to catch the first first few minutes here, but but definitely um, he'll be able to to listen to the podcast a little bit later and and catch up on what I'm about to tell tell you. But really, yes, it's a message for Stephen, and it's a message for all of us, really, about learning to be who we really are. Um. The little video that you watched before talked about that aspect of baptism, and a number of Christians can testify to this. There can be that moment in their life where they feel compelled by the spirit of God to to follow their Savior through the waters of baptism that 's the language we use to talk about being obedient to what Jesus said, and they they get baptized on on day one and on day two, come Monday, come Tuesday, come wednesday the the, the feelings, perhaps, are not quite the same. And and you get left pondering, well, was was it all about the emotion of the the evening and and so forth? Um, how can I experience this Christian life in all of its fullness on a continuous basis? What does that look like? And so I want to talk to you a little bit about um, just uh, living courageously, learning to live to be who, in Jesus Christ, we, we really are. We've been looking at uh, the story of Joshua and the Israelites. And because of the sin of a previous generation, they were in a barren land, a desert place, a place that they really didn't want to be. The promises of God were, were across a river, the Jordan River. This was the promised land. This was the life that he had promised the nation of Israel. And it took an entire generation to be able to, to outlive the regrets of the previous generation and to be ready for all that God had for them. And under Joshua's leadership, they crossed the Jordan River and started to lay claim to this, this land, the promises of God. But it took a number of things to do this. And they quickly learned their lesson that they couldn't just claim to be the people of God and to have a badge over them that says, we are the people of God. Ta-da! And now everything will go well, didn't work that way. In fact, trying to live this life on their own terms, they, they through the, through the sin of one man, Achan, made some serious mistakes as they tried to take a small city called Ai. The Israelites were turned back and they were left devastated, wondering, we've just experienced serious defeat. And and sometimes in the Christian life, we can have that same experience. We can come to that place where everything was going so well. We were experiencing what we thought was the Christian life in its entirety. Everything was going smoothly, but suddenly there's a significant defeat. Suddenly we let ourselves down, we let other people down, and, and we can be, I guess, forced to wonder, have we got it all wrong? Am I not one of those super Christians? Am I not up to this? Somehow have I missed an important piece of the puzzle? And and that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. Living courageously, learning to be who in Christ you really are. So let's pray and just ask the Spirit of God to quieten our hearts and minds now and, and help us to understand from His Word how to live courageously. Spirit of God, thank you so much that you were present here. You promised this. Where two or three are gathered, there you would be in their midst. So we just want to dedicate this time to you. It's not a a long time, but in your hands, it can be a significant one. We're going to read words from the Bible, and We believe these are your words and they have power. So we invite you now via your transforming power to come and minister to each and every one of us. Spirit of God, would you just rest upon this place right now? Help us to be still in your presence just for a moment, just just briefly, and to hear from you. Here, away from distractions, away from all that might beg for our attention. Here, we just want to dedicate these few moments to you. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak, we pray. Amen. After the defeated Ai, the Israelites were forced to realize that they'd made They'd made a blunder. Yes, they'd sinned, but there was recovery. This was not fatal. And so they came before God. They, they made sacrifices for their sins. They corrected it. They found themselves aligned with God once more. And they opened up the book of the law, and they read every part of it from start to finish, the entire nation. It must have been this incredible spectacle because we're talking about a couple of a million people and Joshua reading out the book of the law. And the only way we can imagine that happening is that Joshua would read segments and then that would be passed on, which would be passed on, because the PA systems in those days were fairly primitive. And so here is a couple of million people reading the entire book of the law, every single word, and they dedicated themselves on that particular day to obey it. Flawlessly, they read every word of every command and recommitted themselves to putting it into practice. And they stand, I guess, as an example to all of us Christians of the importance of God, God's word and taking God at his word. In chapter 8, verse 35, we read, the entire nation read every word of every command there was and dedicated themselves to putting it into practice. So the courageous Christian is a Christian who has learned to take God at his word. We have that saying, don't we? You know, I give you my word. What do we mean by that? I give you my word. What we're really saying is, I have spoken this, I have said this, and I'm good for it. Why? Why? Well, because of my character, because of my name. I, I might want to sell you a pumpkin, and you've never seen the pumpkin. And you, you may even wonder if I have a pumpkin, whether I could even grow a pumpkin. Is Stuart good for his pumpkin? You've never seen the pumpkin before, but if I say, listen, for $5, I will give you this, this lovely pumpkin. It's so big, it's nice and orange, and you can make soup with it. And so you kind of figure, well, you know what? I haven't seen the pumpkin, but I hear what Stuart's saying. And because of his character and because of his name, I think he's good for the pumpkin. I'm going to trust him on that. Because of God's name and because of God's character, we take him at his word for far more important things than pumpkins. We trust him for life itself and for eternity. God is good for what he promises. You can trust him. And the courageous Christian takes God at his word. He believes who God is, he believes in his character, he believes in his name. He says, if God says it, you know what? I'll trust him. I believe it. I will trust him. I will take him at his word. We said a couple of weeks ago, it's a little bit like mathematics. We might not understand why it works, but it works. God's word is a, is a little bit like that. We don't always understand the why. There are complex things in scripture. But if he says it, okay, he's God. He's, he's got a good name. He's got a good reputation. I trust his character. I'll take him at his word. The courageous Christian takes God at his word. The courageous Christian has understood the significance of, of Romans 1.16, where Paul says, I delight, indeed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. There is this confidence in the gospel, and in, which is really the message of the good news, God's word about his power to save us. The very, very message actually has power in it. God's word actually has power. And the courageous Christian has come to a place in their life where they get it. I I have encountered that power. I have experienced the power of God. His name is good. His character is good. If he says it, he will do it. I believe it. God is good for it. If he gives his word, then I trust him. The courageous Christian understands that the power of God is transformational. The courageous Christian understands that no, I'm, I'm not just a good person who at some point in a, in a rather bad and complicated life encountered God, got some initial commands which seemed to help me out, and then after that, once I was on the right track, I was able to walk it myself. Not at all. That's a falsehood. The problem sometimes is, I think in, in, in churches, is we are so blessed by being surrounded by so many good people. It can be, it can be easy to believe that we are just a congregation of good people, people who have made good life choices, and we get the blessing from that. We're surrounded by lots of good people, but that is not the gospel. That's, that's not true. That's a falsehood. We live day by day and are sustained day by day by nothing less than the very power of God. Take grace out of this room right now, and it would be a slaughterhouse. We have to understand that we are sustained whole, holy by the power of God. The courageous Christian understands that. The courageous Christian knows there has been a transformation that has taken place in my life, and we just heard a beautiful testimony about it before, but Stephen's testimony, in a way different in detail, is all of our testimonies. It's a testimony about the grace and the power of God. It's a testimony about the fact that without that, all of us would be astray. All of us would go our own way. All of us would totally mess up our lives. None of us would have any hope whatsoever. It's a story about the power of God and and its power to transform. I haven't asked Stephen's parents, but I imagine when they gave him the name Stephen, they, they must have been conscious of the Stephen in the Bible. Yes, I love that character. You read it in accent, and there are multiple references to the fact that this was no ordinary person. The character of Stephen, here was a man who was filled with the Spirit of God. Um, Luke, writing Acts, uses multiple uh, word illustrations and picture illustrations to Word pictures to to help us understand. His face was shining like an angel. It's like Luke can't even find the words for it. It's like, how do you describe Stephen? And here he is up against it. Eventually, he speaks with such power that the Pharisees are sent into some demonic rage and they actually stone and kill him, a martyr of the church but he was filled with the Spirit of God. The transforming power of God was just so evident. It beamed out from him. It's an incredible picture. And it's a picture of the Jesus-filled life. It's a picture of the transforming power of God. It's a picture of what every single one of us should be demonstrating day by day by day as the grace of God flows out from our life and impacts others. The courageous Christian takes God at his word, believes that God's words can transform us. They have power to transform us. And the daily Christian, sorry, the (laughs) courageous Christian will daily feed off those words. Treating the word of God like bread for life. Knowing that therein lies the secret to sustaining the Christian life. The courageous Christian not only takes God at his word, but the courageous Christian, under the power of God, endeavors to keep that word. Shortly after... Israel and Joshua made a renewed commitment to obey God's word, to take God at his word. They actually come undone through a strange deception. A little city, a little group of people called the Gibeonites, are able through a particular ruse to deceive Joshua and the other leaders of the Israel nation in such a way that they make a promise that they should never have made. But their promise is their promise. And they know that as they have promised life to these Gibeonites, they must keep that promise now. And so God's word becomes their word, and and they're good for their word, just as God is good for his. And they serve again as an example that we must not only take God at his word but we must keep that word and we must be obedient to that word and we must not stray from that word at all in the case of Joshua and the Israelites it was a a matter of promising life to the gibeonites discovering the deception uncovering it and then standing against the pressure of the whole nation for revenge When this ruse is discovered, the the people want blood. They want the Gibeonites' blood. They say they tricked us. They deceived us. Therefore, our word doesn't hold, right? And Joshua and the Israelites have made one mistake, but they won't make another. They're going to be true to their word, just as God is true to his word. And on this occasion, they say, no, let's not compound our mistakes here. Let's not make things worse. Now, it would have been so easy for them at this particular point in time to compromise. You've got a, you're leading a group of around 2 million people, and they, they feel bad that they've been deceived. And for various reasons, they want the blood of the Gibeonites. But now is a time for strong leadership, courageous leadership that will take a stand and say, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We have given our word. We're going to keep our word. We must be a people of the word. And so Joshua proves that he truly is becoming the leader that God wants him to to become by standing firm on their promise as a nation and saying, we're not going to do it. There'll be no bloodshedding today. The Gibeonites live because we have given our word and that's important. Reminds me of a A singer, oh, a number of decades ago, maybe some of you will will know this person, he would have been a household name, truly. Um, The media loved him. Record companies were ready to sign him up, but something happened. He met Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ redirected the life of Keith Green on a path that he had not intended. And instead of becoming just another rock musician, he dedicated his talents to God and and became a producer of some amazing contemporary Christian music. Which for a younger generation, sorry, an older generation, really had almost a discipleship impact on us. Many people... Of my vintage, know the name Keith Green. His biography was simply entitled No Compromise. His wife, Melody, with the help of others, wrote the book No Compromise, but captured this essence that was very, very true of Keith. As you read the story, you come to understand it, and that is this if Keith read it in scripture, he believed it and he put it into practice. Again, he was a courageous Christian. He not only took God at his word, but he kept his word as well, sometimes at great cost. Signing with one particular record company, they seriously wanted to sign him up, even as a, even as a Christian musician, because Christian music sells. And he said, I'll sign, but my first album, no profit. I want to give it away. And they said, that's crazy. We can't do it. He said, then, then I'll just produce it myself. And they said, well, let's see if we can find a way to do it. <laughs> and so our Sparrow Music, I believe, was was born and became became the label for Keith's, Keith's first album, which was just given away, no charge. You could you could pay for it if you wanted to, but essentially there was to be to be no profit. It was a best best seller. It was huge but his word was his word. The courageous Christian takes God at his word and then the courageous Christian keeps that word, keeps living it, keeps putting it into practice. The courageous Christian says a promise is a promise and the courageous Christian says there will be no compromise here, no matter how radical that might be. The courageous Christian guards their integrity like a white shirt at a spaghetti bar. And says, I have nothing if not this. This must be guarded at all costs. There can be absolutely no compromise. The courageous Christian takes God at his word. The courageous Christian keeps that word. And the courageous Christian withstands the test of that word. Shortly after this promise to the Gibeonites were made, they go back to to their city and, and Israel get on with life. But five Ammonite kings decide that this is not a good practice and the Gibeonites need to be taught a lesson. They, they come against the Gibeonites, siege the city, but word gets back to Joshua. Hey, remember, ask your loyal servants. Yeah, yeah, the people who just deceived the Israelites, right? Remember, ask your loyal servants, be true to your word. Come and save us. And so we read in chapter 10, verses 1 to 6, the story of the siege. And then in verse 7, we read these words. I love these words. This is the test for Joshua. Remember, the Israelites know what battle means, they know what it is to win, and they know what it is to lose. It can be costly. And there was a little bit of a bad taste in their mouths, remember, from the Gibeonites, because basically the truce, the, the pact that they, they signed together, that little treaty, was done through deception. So the Gibeonites probably weren't their favorite neighbors, but nonetheless, their word was their word, and now it was about to be tested. They're under siege. They send word back to Joshua, help. And here again is courageous leadership. What's Joshua going to do? Is he going to say, oh, yes, yes. We'll put it in the calendar. Get back to you on that. (laughs) And then sort of after the city has been sort of uh, overtaken, run over, then will they come in? There was multiple ways to get around this. There was multiple excuses that they could have made. But remember, courageous leadership takes God at his word, keeps that word, and withstands the test. This was a test. Verse 7 says just this. They'd received word, they received the cry for help. Verse 7 reads So Joshua marched. He didn't need a new set of marching orders, he already had them. He decided in his heart that he is good for his word, he would keep his word, and he would withstand the test. So Joshua marched. Um, Bron and I were recently at Costco, we um, have just moved house, and we wanted to, for the very, very first time, actually mount our television to a, to a wall, so instead of being there, it could be there, and um, it was very exciting, and so I studied the, the two war mounts, there was an option of two at Costco, there's often options, there's one, and sometimes there's two, and I was studying them decided this was the best one for us. This would swivel this way, and it would swivel this way. And do, do you know what? We, we've turned the television on once in a month. But anyway, um, we, um, we bought this wall mount, and we're, we're heading uh, down in the lift, down to the car park. And there's, you know, you know the customary. There's never conversation in lifts. It's like it's like you don't chat in toilets and you don't chat in lifts. They're, they're rules. They're rules. We understand these rules. But this lady decided to chat in the lift, and she said, how much was the warm-out? And, and I'd been studying the prices, and I said, oh, it was... And I thought, oh, wait a on, which one did I go for? So I look at the receipt, and I can't see it, which is odd, because at Costco... You know, they're very, very thorough. They, they zap everything, sometimes twice. And then as you go out of the store, they check it again just to make sure. They look at your receipt and they look at your trolley. So this has been checked and double-checked. So I'm looking at my receipt, and I can't see it on there. And then I said to Bron, you know, is it just my eyes? I said, I, can you see the wall out there? And, and then I ran down the, the prices because I knew, okay, it's $100-and-something. It's, it's dollars, You know, and I, I just couldn't see it. I thought this is really odd. And suddenly we realized they, for some reason or another, they have not actually charged us for this. It was a test. How much is my integrity worth? How much is our integrity worth? Are we good for $127? (laughs) And there in the lift, we had to make that decision. To be quite honest, it wasn't the money, it was just the sheer fatigue and going back up in the lift, to be quite honest. I thought, let's do it next time. That was the temptation. We decided there and then, no, you know what? This is a test. Let's head back up there. Don't know what this is about, but let's, let's go get this right, and let's, but let's do it now. And so we went back up in the lift and, and to much disbelief, you know, the person on the door, oh, look, we, we're down in the car park. We realize you haven't charged us for this, and so we've come back to pay, and she's just staring at us like we're from another planet. I said, wow, uh, you, you go over there. And then we got, got to the counter and we queued up and eventually we said it to them too. And the lady, oh, wow, 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 wow. Just a moment, let me get my manager. And so she came over and heard the story again, more wows. And, and so it was a test. Courageous Christianity takes God at his word. Courageous Christianity keeps that word and courageous Christianity expects that that will be tested and withstands the test. Let God's word be your word and and let there be no compromise on that. The courageous Christian is a Christian that will follow God's word without compromise whatsoever. We'll stand by that word. And when the tests come, withstand those tests as well. When those tests come, you have a model, you have an example. There's the one we just, we just read then. Just three words, but they're important words, aren't they? Hallelujah. So Joshua marched. You got your marching orders. You already know what to do. The tests will come. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, The problem is now you've heard this sermon, guess what happens this week? You get tested on it. I will get tested on it. So it's okay. I I didn't lure you into some evil plot. It's going to happen to me too. I will get tested on this as well this week. It always happens. But this week at some point or another, You'll have a test. You will. Will I take God at his word? Am I good to keep that word? And can I withstand the test as it comes my way? And when that happens, you just have to remember the example that we have here. So Joshua marched. You know what to do. When you test it, march. Put it right. Whatever that that means, no matter how much the cost, no matter how much... It hurts you. Put it right. you got your marching orders. You know what to do. March. But we've got perhaps another example of that as well in Jesus Christ. And if all of this feels a little bit hard, remember that Jesus has modelled this for you, humbling himself to become like a man, even becoming obedient to the cross the father had told the son what to do he knew what to do and he trusted his father being obedient to the nth degree even when that meant going to the cross and dying for you and for I We called this a couple of weeks ago gospel food because the food, the two symbols, they tell the story of the gospel. You see, Jesus not only modeled obedience to the word, but through his obedience, he actually enables us to also be obedient to God's word, to live the life, Righteousness is not something we produce in and of ourselves. We were talking about the power of a transformed life before. That's Jesus' power. And gospel food reminds us how that works. The wine is a symbol of his blood. It reminds us that, that we're now right with God because his blood covers over our sin. It's covered now. That's covered. When we confess our sin, here's his character. He's faithful. He's just. He's good for it. He will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what he does. But he's powerful life as well. His body was also broken. That reminds us that he died on that cross and we died with him. That's the old us, dead, buried, drowned. There is no old us anymore. We're not trying to be good people. We're dead people. When did we die? A couple of thousand years ago in Christ. When Jesus died, we died. And taking that bread reminds us that the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. This is Jesus inside of us. This is his life within us. This is the outworking of of, of God enabling us to act and to will according to his good purposes, Philippians 2.13. It's gospel food. It's good news food. This symbolizes the essence of the Christian life. Not us doing good things for God, but God doing good things in us and through us. This is This is power for living. This is the power of God to enable us to live the victorious Christian life, to actually give us courage, to encourage us, to give us courage for life, knowing that our hope is in the power of God to do what we could never do. It's an incredible, incredible thing that we're about to partake in. We're about to take two symbols and we're about to consume to eat these symbols and each one is reminding us about the very power of God that is within us just as, very shortly, the symbols themselves will be within us. Huge, huh? Absolutely huge. We have here amazing symbols that Jesus has given to us again and again and again in order to remind us of just how radically different this life is and that there is hope even when you fail. There's a reason to be courageous. There's a reason to believe that this is doable, that the Christian life actually works, that his transforming power has not yet been exhausted in your eye, and that no matter what obstacles we face, there's power to sustain us. So we're going to, we're going to respond tonight by actually taking the cup and taking the bread, and we're going to eat together together. In a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm actually going to um, invite you to to go to one of several stations. There'll be a couple at the back and a couple at the front to to go to one of these, these stations and to take the bread, to take the cup. And then we're going to share these powerful symbols together and have an opportunity to just reflect on the message that we've shared tonight and that God has spoken to us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight for your word to us. We do do so desire to be a people of your word, to take you at your word, to keep your word and be obedient to it. And when the tests come our way, to face them with the sure hope, that you have not only modeled the way, but you have made the way possible through your death and resurrection. As we share in that, this Christian life is possible. We're reminded of that. So come now, Holy Spirit, I pray, and remind us of these truths as we hold these symbols in our hands. Would you help us to understand the power that they represent, the power that they symbolize, power for a new life, power for a victorious life, power to be that courageous Christian. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.com.au.